Did you know that studies have shown affirmations can profoundly influence your psychological well-being, enhancing self-confidence and reducing anxiety? Here at Positive Birth Australia, we have crafted a 20-minute birth affirmations track filled with soulful, carefully curated affirmations to empower, inspire, and guide you to deeply remember the power you hold within. And to my fellow belly birth mothers, we have created a track specifically for you to honor that all birth is a sacred moment of profound significance. For only $5, you can download and immerse yourself in our affirmations track to transform your mindset in the lead up to birth and during labor, serving as a potent reminder of the inherent power and love you possess. Visit us at www.positivebirthaustralia.com or head to the show notes and follow the link provided to start your journey toward a more empowered birth experience. Welcome to Positive Birth Australia, a podcast created to empower and educate mothers along their own pregnancy journey. Each week, I'll be sharing insightful and inspiring birth stories and advice in the hopes to help you create your own positive birth experience. I'm your host, Sky Marie. Let's get into today's show. Today's episode is brought to you by Apero Label. For all my breastfeeding mothers out there, I am sure you know how hard it is to find cute, feeding-friendly designs. That is why I love Apero. Apero is a company designed by women for women. They offer an exclusive range of maternity wear and feeding-friendly tops and dresses with hidden zippers for easy access. Apero's values go beyond the wardrobe. Each month, they donate 5% of all profits from online sales to women's community shelters. A brand that not only looks amazing, but strongly believes in giving back to the community. Apero has given all of you, my PBA listeners, an exclusive $20 voucher to spend site-wide when you spend $100 or more. Simply use the code POSITIVE20 to save. Welcome back, everyone. On today's episode, we hear the challenging yet powerful journey of first-time mother, Lauren. Lauren was excited when the time came to finally start a family. Her initial excitement about the presence of pregnancy symptoms was short-lived as she quickly succumbed to the overwhelm and debilitation that came with a HG diagnosis. Just when the battle to get through her constant nausea seemed to finally relent, she was hit with COVID, giving her a new round of symptoms to navigate through. A hypnobirthing course in her late pregnancy provided her with the tools and confidence she needed to advocate for the natural birth she knew was possible, even when faced with many high-risk labels attached to her journey. Having continuity of care through the hospital's MGP program with a midwife who respected her birth space gave Lauren the perfect environment to feel safe and supported as she breathed her daughter outside. Enjoy the episode. Lauren, welcome to Positive Birth Australia. It's so good to finally have you on the show. (laughs) It's so good to be here finally. Could you just start off by telling the listeners a little bit about yourself? Yes, so I live on the Gold Coast. I have me, my husband, and um, we have a little French bulldog called Pumba, and we have our five-month-old baby girl, Stevie Rose. Gorgeous. And was she a planned conception? She was. I've been ready for babies for a long time. My husband, I think all men do, they have all these things he wanted to kind of 
get in a get in a row before we were good to go. But um, yeah, as soon as he was like, "Yeah, okay, I'm ready," I was like, "Ooh, okay, let's <laughs> let, let's make it big. Let's do this." <laughs> yeah. So, was there anything you did in the lead up to that conception to get your body ready for pregnancy? Yeah, I think um, I'm not sure if you've, people have heard that saying like trimester zero. I was yeah. I I did I did think all right. Well, I really want to make sure that I'm in the healthiest, happiest position I can be for my body and also my husband's body we actually did a um it's more like a mental toughness challenge rather than a health challenge but it's called 75 hard where you make sure you you, you drink like I think three I can't remember now I think it was three liters of water and we moved our body twice a day and we cut out alcohol and sugar um so we just, we just both felt in a really inspired healthy state when we were um trying to conceive and I think it took us uh I think we felt pregnant our fourth or fifth month um trying which which was actually really interesting because I I think what happened I was using the app um flow to kind of tell me when I was um ovulating because I've been off contraception for a few years now now knowing how bad it is for you so I've, I've been tracking my cycle just using the app but um I was I had a friend who told me to use the ovulation sticks and it was really interesting because I was actually I wasn't actually ovulating when my app was telling me. I was, so it was good to know. If I, I think if I'd used those sticks even earlier, we probably would have fallen pregnant even sooner. Yeah. Now, I know you had a challenging pregnancy. Do you want to take us through that journey? Yes. I will try and make a very long story short because, um, honestly, it was a, a very eventful nine months. I um, As soon as we felt pregnant, um, I ended up getting the flu, which I think apparently is pretty normal because your immune system goes down when it's trying to not fight off your egg. Um, but it was the worst flu I've ever had. It's the first two weeks of my pregnancy. I was bedridden and because you can't take any antibiotics or you shouldn't when you're pregnant. I didn't. So I really fought that for the first two weeks. And then as soon as I started feeling better, I got morning sickness, which at the start was exciting because you're like, it feels like a rite of passage. You're like, woohoo, I just did my first like vomit. <laughs> um, <laughs> but then the novelty definitely wore off. I think mm. I was only eight. I think I started vomiting at seven weeks, but it was intense. It was all day, every day, couldn't eat, couldn't drink water. Mm. I think at eight weeks I was like just depressed I couldn't get out of bed I couldn't work I couldn't eat so I ended up going to the doctors and they I got I tried a few different things over the coming weeks different some different medications and stuff but I think I ended up getting diagnosed with HG mm-hmm. um so yeah I was pretty much sick from week yeah week seven all the way to I think I started vomiting at like week 27 or wow. week 26 I had sickness but only mm-hmm up until 12 weeks and I mean that was so debilitating so I just cannot imagine how that must have been yeah no I was so sick so I was like I was thinking how lucky it was to have a home-based business because if I had a normal job I definitely would have had to take leave without pay like I didn't I didn't get out of bed most days or if I did I'd have like maybe an hour of a good window and even then I couldn't really do anything even with medication I struggled to drink any water um 
I think I just lived off hot chips and Coca-Cola for yeah. <laughs> a few months because that's all I could stomach. Oh, you poor thing. Because it's like a hangover, right? Yeah. Did you find that? Like I couldn't even look at a vegetable. I just wanted like <laughs> greasy food. I was trying to explain to my husband. I'm like, okay, babe, think of your worst hangover ever. Yes. And then, you know, how when you hangover, you go to bed because you're like, okay, if I sleep this off, I wake up better. But you go to bed and you wake up and you've got to relive that same day yes. over and over and over again. Oh, so debilitating. <laughs> so was there any that you did during that time that you found relief from? Oh, everyone, every, it's so funny because I think everyone gives you advice in that area at time and um, I got so much advice. Like take the ginger and have like crisp next to your bed and um, what I just, everyone's got something to say but I honestly the only thing that saved me was just being like, well, let's just survive and do one day at a time because yeah. That's all I could really do. And just this too shall pass. Um, It was a really dark time for me too. My mental health went just really bad because I literally find my happiness from like being outside and running and moving and dancing and exercising and even just drinking water. Like I I was craving just a big bottle of water. I was so severely dehydrated but I couldn't even drink water. So I just – and I was in the middle of COVID too so – um, I was craving family and friends and I couldn't, most of my family and friends are interstate, so I couldn't have support around me. So it was just a really lonely time and felt shitty. But, um, so I think I got, yeah, to like, I didn't even know, I, I think it was 17 weeks and I had like an ultrasound then and they found out I had placenta previa or maybe it was in earlier, it's a bit hazy. Maybe they, they found out, no, I think it was 17 weeks, um, which means that you can't have sex Well you shouldn't have sex, Um, you can't do exercise, not that I could exercise anyway, (laughs) I was sick. Um, So I had that, which put a little bit of a dull on it too because with placenta previa, um, you can't have a natural vaginal birth, which is what I was hoping to have. Um, So they were kind of prepping me saying, oh, look, you're probably going to have to have a Caesar. So I was like, oh, this pregnancy journey has not been fun. Mm. Um, And then as I think, so I had placenta previa, I had HG and then – in my third trimester, like I said, I think it was 27 weeks. I think I had one, only one or two weeks where I felt like myself. Like I was very large. It was in my third trimester and I felt massive. But I was like, oh, I finally feel like I can enjoy this pregnancy. Like I'm, I, I love my belly. Like I loved I loved bit that side of it and I started to feel good. And then um, I got COVID at Christmas, oh, no. which knocked me. But it wasn't so much COVID itself. It was um, like I had a week of COVID, but then – all my symptoms came back like I was nauseous, I was vomiting, had all these things going on. And I was like, oh, like, but I was so used to feeling like that my whole pregnancy. I didn't really know anything was wrong. But because I had COVID, I think I was due for an ultrasound, but they pushed my ultrasound back and my blood test back because they're like, oh, you've got to be whatever it was, I think two weeks clean of um, do like a, a negative PCR test before you're allowed to go back into a hospital or anything. So I I waited till two weeks after COVID had passed. I went and got my ultrasound and a blood test. And um, they actually picked up on then that my my bile acids in my blood tests were really high and abnormal. So I got ended up getting admitted to um, emergency. Um, and they're not – still to this day, they don't know really what it was. They think that I ended up being in a hosp- hospital for a week and they thought all my symptoms had itchy hands – my urine went really yellow and I was dehydrated, but I was used to that because I was really dehydrated during my HG. I was vomiting, but same thing. I didn't know if that was because of HG. I felt really shit, but I don't know if that's because I just came off COVID. Like there was just so much going on. Yeah. 
Um, but they ended up thinking or diagnosing me with pregnancy cholestasis, which I'm not sure. Sh- do you, I'm not sure if you had yeah. anyone on the show. Yeah, with, we yeah. have. It's to do with your liver, isn't it? Yeah, and like um, you end up being a high risk pregnancy where they don't let you go full term, mm. um, and they yeah they don't let you go full term, and they push either an induction or a Caesar, um, and you're high risk of like um, stillborns, and so it was a little bit scary. Um, so yeah, I think I just just kind of felt like one thing after the other, and I was still sick. So, but I ended up getting discharged. They're like, we don't really know because it's strange that I had um, cholestasis, usually something that happens later on in pregnancy. I was still pretty early. It was only 27 or 28 weeks. And it usually comes on around 35 weeks or anything after 35 really. So they treated me like I had cholestasis, although they didn't, they didn't really know what was going on. Um, so I had a blood test every week or so, but it ended up being what we think actually just um, – you're like something that happens after COVID when you catch COVID when you're pregnant because after a couple of weeks, my bile acids actually went back to normal. So I think like when your body usually catches a virus, it's your liver that takes out the toxins. I think my liver was just in overdrive and obviously they haven't done much research on COVID on pregnancy. They, they didn't know what was going on. They couldn't explain it. So it's it's kind of, you're kind of like a guinea pig. It was interesting, but it was so crazy because after they finally, I did a blood test every week and I was on medication for a few weeks. And I just said, look, my intuition is telling me it's not cholestasis. Like I've never, I don't have any like family history of liver disease. I feel really healthy. I guess the best I felt my whole pregnancy. So I just pushed back and said, can I just have one week off the medication and you just test my blood and just see if it goes back to normal. And if it doesn't, I know I need the medication. If it does, I think my body's just healing after COVID because obviously if I stayed with the cholestasis diagnosis, it meant that, yeah, they were going to induce me. They wouldn't let me go full term. Um, So, yeah, once I went off the medication, everything actually leveled out naturally. So I ended up getting to be discharged. I was no longer a high-risk pregnancy. I'd stopped vomiting and they left me alone so I could just have like the go full term and and just kind of let nature take its course, which – which was cool because I think the whole pregnancy because of all the complications, that was never really a, a option for me. It was kind of always taken off the table due to everything else that had happened. So there was some light at the end of the tunnel. Like finally yeah. started, to start, started to feel good and got excited. Oh, so good. And was that smooth sailing sort of from mm-hmm. that point on then? Yeah, well, I had um, – they picked up on all my scans and I would do things a little bit differently now going through my experience. I wouldn't have so many scans but – um they picked up I had a big baby so I think for the last five weeks they were pushing me to get induced anyway because like you've got a big baby and I was like no I'm fine leave me alone I'm good (laughs) but other than that like yeah I felt really good and I was just really excited amazing so your plan was to birth in the hospital is that right uh yeah I wanted to like I like the idea of a home birth um, and having as less um, intervention as possible. But at the same time, I really liked the idea of just having support there if I needed. And I just didn't know how brave I was to do a home birth because I am pretty bad with pain and I am a sook and I hate blood. So <laughs> I was like, I want a home birth, but I want to be in the hospital system. So um, what we did was we went through the MGP program here on the Gold Coast. So, and yeah, I think – you probably had a few ladies on the show have probably gone through that. But essentially you kind of you get your own midwife which labours with you. So it felt like 
I had my birth plan. It felt like I got to have a home birth, but we just hired a hospital room. Like I didn't have any hospital staff. I didn't have any doctors. It was just my midwife in the room, Amazing. literally from start to end, which was beautiful. Amazing. Yeah. Was there anything you did during your pregnancy to sort of get you ready for birth? Yeah. So um, I, for the first couple of weeks, which were very early on, obviously, I was reading books to get excited. But then as soon as I got really sick, mm. I just threw everything to the side and it was yeah. like, I'm just going to focus on doing one day at a time, yeah. surviving right now. <laughs> um, so it wasn't actually until, yeah, after... It wasn't until after I like ended up having that stint in hospital with COVID. Um, so I think it was thirty weeks, um, and I finally like the option was back on the table where I was like allowed to go full term, and the option was there like to have no intervention. I'm actually impressed that they kept reassessing your situation and allowed you to do that because so often once you get that high risk label, that's it. No, I think I had. To, I have. A, I've got a lot of friends around me who I guess work in the health space who helped me advocate for myself. Because I think if I mm. if I definitely hadn't have pushed back, okay, I would have stayed on medication for the rest of my pregnancy, and they probably would have. They were they were pushing pretty hard to induce me at thirty six or thirty seven weeks. With, okay. So I I definitely had to stand up for myself and say no. Right. I think once at the end when I was kind of like okay, like what what can I do? I wanted to do like the hypnobirthing classes, but I just didn't have the energy to look into it because I was so sick and didn't think it, there was really any point. But once I kind of got towards the end and was like, okay, well, they're going to let me have a vaginal birth. Um, I did a hypnobirthing class. I think the information I got from that empowered me to push back, especially even towards the end when they were trying to induce me for having a big baby. Mm-hmm. Um, that Definitely the information and the support helped us both my partner and I feel empowered towards the end of the pregnancy journey and I think ultimately helped us have the the birth that we did have. Yeah, right. Any books or other resources that you found really helpful? Um, yeah, what was the one? I, I listened to a few on Audible. So I listened to Ina May's one. Yeah. I listened to hers. And my chiropractor also gave me a book. I forget what it was called. I'll, pro- I'll have to find it. You can pop it in the show notes. It was something about um, it was it was helping women get rid of the fear of childbirth because she knew my chiropractor knew how fearful I was of it. I think it's, it's a really old school book. It is about a doctor that um, I can't remember what it was called. I'll find it then. I'll link it for you. But yeah. I, those two books were the pr- pretty much the main ones that just helped me, I guess, rewire some of the fears I had around pregnancy because I think up until the time I fell pregnant I was really fearful of childbirth I I actually never backed myself and thought I'd be able to have a vaginal birth without intervention like I always thought I'd opt in for a Caesar just because I'm so scared of pain and blood but um those books definitely just made me be like you know what like I believe in my body and I trust my body and women have been doing this for centuries and it just really helped me flip my mindset around it yeah so jumping to the end of your pregnancy, how were you feeling in those last few days leading up to labor? And did you have any early labor signs? Yeah. So we were, I was excited, but I'm also very impatient. I was like, yeah. <laughs> is, is today going to be the day? Like, what are we going to do now? <laughs> um, I think I was due on the 17th of April. I, I thought it was going to be early for sure. My intuition the whole time was like, oh, we're going to be early. Um, but then the 17th rolled around and there was still no sign of any labor. I was like, okay, she not gone a bit early. Yeah. Um, and yeah, like every day kind of getting that thing like, like, am I going to have a baby today? I felt very large. 
and I was getting impatient and I was trying to do all the things. I was doing the gutter walking. I was having the sex. I was having the raspberry leaf tea. I was using <laughs> clary sage. I was doing all the things. Um, and then I think it was the 17th, which was a Sunday. It was Easter Sunday. And then the Tuesday, the Tuesday night we went to bed and um, I felt, was it Tuesday? I think, no, it might have been Monday night. So she's doing the Sunday and then the Monday night, so Tuesday morning I woke up or I woke up in the middle of the night and um, I felt like something was moving. Like I was like, oh, something feels different. I feel went to the toilet and I noticed I'd lost my mucus plug and I was like, oh, like <laughs> I know some people lose that early on. Like does that mean that we're, we're like it's go time? But I didn't wake up my hubby. So I waited till the morning and I was like, hey. <laughs> I was like, hey, I'm like, guess what? He's like, what? I'm like, I lost my mucus plug. He's like okay and now and now what happens like I don't know um I was like today's gonna be the day he's like don't get too excited like obviously he did the hypnobirthing class with us too which helped us manage our expectations and he's like this could be like this could be a period of like days or weeks like he's like I'm gonna go to work he's like just let me know if anything changes and I'm like okay um and then I was like my mom and dad were actually up visiting hoping that they would be here when baby arrives so they had booked a trip up here so they were here staying with us um and then that morning we went out for a beach walk and I felt like these dull sensations but like the they felt like I don't know how to explain no cramps but not cramps they weren't painful but I definitely felt like the tightening very regularly I'm like I'm gonna start timing these and um yeah they were every 10 minutes like I was oh like I wonder if these are contractions so I messaged my midwife and she's like, yeah, well, if they're regular, how long have they been regular for? I'm like, oh, three hours. She's like, yeah, this could be a long process, but you'll know. Like, just keep me posted. You might be having a baby in the next few days. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> and then so they weren't painful, but they definitely felt the tightening. And I told my hubby, and he's like, well, just let me know if anything happens or if anything progresses. And then I think by, like, 3, three o'clock in the afternoon, they were, they'd gone to every five minutes. Um, and they were definitely more intense, but I could talk through them. And I rang my husband. He came home from work and my mum and dad left us and said, well, we'll leave you guys to have your sacred space. Um, so I set up my little birth corner like I'd always wanted. We had like fairy lights, my birth plan. I had some hypnobirthing tracks and um, I put on my midwife told me to use the TENS machine early like she said you've got to for it to work properly you need to put it on so it, you can actually turn it up as the pain increases so I think we popped we had dinner and we put on a like a comedy and I put the tens machine on and by this time there was still five minutes apart but they were definitely more intense um, and I was just doing like my breath work and breathing through them and then I don't know I was laboring all through the night so this is like six seven o'clock at night and I labored till about 1 a.m just at home in the room my husband was like keeping me company in the bed just like giving me some back tickles but dozing in and out of sleep and I remember just getting a little bit frustrated and a little bit nervous because although they were definitely increasing in intensity they weren't getting any closer together and I remember messaging the midwife being like like can I come to the hospital now and she's like well there's no point because we probably we might just turn you back around like you want to make sure you've been having like at least three every 10 minutes and they're about three minutes apart um, which just made me anxious because they were getting, I'm mindful not to say painful, but they were definitely intense. I couldn't talk through them anymore. 
Um, and we live 45 minutes from the hospital. So I was more just anxious about getting to the hospital. Like the only way I was kind of getting through them was rolling around on my, my birth ball. So it's like, how am I going to labor in the back of a car for 45 minutes? I just want to get to the hospital and get in my space. Um, but it's like, as soon as I said that within like five minutes, they just, yeah, started happening every three minutes. And I was like, I woke up my husband, like, all right, let's go. Like, (laughs) let's go to the hospital. Let's get, get us there. Um, so he, we'd already had the hospital bag packed. He popped him in the car and I just hopped in the back. We put the hypnobirthing trucks on. I tried just breathing. I just got deep in my zone. I remember being obviously fearful about the drive, but I was so out of it. I was just in and out of consciousness. It felt like, and even Dan said that on the M1, there was actually roadworks. So it didn't take us 45 minutes at 2am in the morning or 3am in the morning. There was roadworks and it got stuck on the M1. So it took us like an over an hour to get to the hospital. How rude is that? I know, but I'm like so lucky. I was, I didn't even notice. I was just like so in my zone breathing, doing the breathing technique. So yeah, once we got to the hospital, I think it was like 2.30, 3am. And then we got into our birth suite and my midwife from NGP had met me there and it was just the fairy lights were on. She had the birth plan. Um, and, yeah, she really just left us to labour how we wanted without she would be there if we asked anything. But I think I did like the first hour or two um, on the ball just I could just rolling around in the ball and then I felt it in like I felt the contractions just intensify like to a point where I was vomiting in pain and then I didn't want a um originally part of my birth plan was I, I didn't want a vaginal check I just but then I, once that happened I was like okay I want you to actually check like how, am I dilated like am I is this actually progressing like am I close because like man this is I don't know how long I could do this for um so it popped me on the table and she's like, oh, you're six centimetres dilated, but you're fully effaced. Um, so, like, don't don't let that wig you out. Like, it could it could happen very quickly. Like, just yeah. trust your body. Um, but the contraction definitely hit different being on your back. I don't know how women labour on their backs. Laying on my back, I just made me vomit. I was just like, get me off this table. Um, so, yeah, once she got me off the table, I kind of knew where I was going. I felt the baby must have turned because I felt the need to get off the ball and just get on all fours on the ground. I think I was laboring on the ground for probably another hour from then. I remember just kind of laughing to myself naively because I thought that I was in, I don't want to use the word pain. I thought the contractions at home were intense and I just thought, Oh, like this will just, they'll just get closer together. But the contractions are like intense times 10. Yeah. <laughs> <Like>, <laughs> I was like, okay, this is so not what I thought it was going to feel like. This is crazy. I definitely wouldn't call it fun, but I was just in control of my breath and I just kept thinking like, yeah, I had done a lot of mind mindset work around it. Um, I was just like trusting my body and had affirmations and I was still using the TENS machine, which I found was helpful. I did ask at that point though, like what's my next what's my next thing? Like what can I do? I, don't, I, I was vomiting in every, every few minutes from being just in pain. So I ended up using the gas and she said that if I wanted to, I could jump in the birth pool now. Um, so I was like, oh, things must be moving along. Let's do this. Um, so we were using the the gas in the birth pool. It felt like I was only in there for like half an hour, but apparently I was in there for like a good hour and a half. Because so I think once I jumped in, I definitely felt the sensation where I had to start bearing down. And I understand what people 
say now when they say it's like the ring of fire because it felt like <laughs> the ring of fire. Yeah, right. <laughs> felt, um, I just, it was, didn't no longer felt like contractions. It just felt like I was pushing out a big poo, but, but just the pressure of it, it just felt like burning. Mm. Um, but yeah, I felt like I was only in there for half an hour, but apparently I was in there for a while because it's hospital policy or something that you have to get out of the water after an hour and move around. And apparently once the hour hit, my midwife was like, okay, Lauren, we've got to get you out of the tub. We've got to walk around. We've got to empty it, empty your, your bladder and then you can hop back in. But it had taken me so long to start bearing down and be in the position that I was in. I just I didn't want to get out. I was worried if I got out, it would take me – I wouldn't get back to where I was. Mm. But it's like as soon as she told me to get out of the bath, something must have like triggered me and I just started bearing down. I'm like, no, we're doing this. We're doing this now. <laughs> not getting out of this bath um so yeah we started after she had told me that um it's probably another half an hour from there but we'll definitely like I breathe baby yeah and I think um it was really good I I told the midwife to just take videos and pictures throughout and she actually got the video of me pushing towards or breathing baby out towards the end which was Mm. so nice to actually have as a keepsake because how how I felt and what it actually was like are two different things like in my head it felt really intense and I didn't feel like I was in control but watching back the video it's actually really calm wow. and I definitely took my time to breathe her out which they think is why I didn't I did have a big baby um but it didn't I didn't end up doing any tearing or anything but I think it's because I did breathe her out really slowly yeah, um, definitely. so yeah that's that's kind of how it ended oh, so beautiful <laughs> so who ended up receiving her yeah, they were like, okay, Lauren, like, put your hands down and pull her through. And I was so exhausted. Uh, I think, I, like, the whole time I was in the bath, I think my eyes were shut. Like, I couldn't even look. Like, we ended up, my husband ended up taking the gas away from me because I wasn't even using it, using it properly. He's like, you're not breathing. <laughs> I was like, oh. um, so when they were like, Lauren, pull her down. You can hear me in the video going, I can't, I can't. I think so my husband was like, no, you have to. So he helps me kind of grab her and pull her to my chest. Um and they wheel the bed over and they get me on the bed and help her put her on my chest and we do like the delayed cord clamping. Um, but I think I was just so exhausted. It honestly feels like the hour after even giving birth, I was just, yeah, just, just so drained. It felt like I couldn't even take it all in and I actually ended up losing a fair bit of blood too. So um, they ended up giving me the injection to help, which wasn't part of my birth plan, but end up having to have the injection to help with the blood clotting after I'd given birth to the placenta um there was just so much blood my husband was like what is going on like okay we're we're gonna have to give you um this to help help the clotting and help everything come back together as you might be at risk of hemorrhaging so they oh yeah I think I was just so tired and I was so exhausted and obviously was losing a lot of blood um they ended up giving baby to my husband he had some skin on skin while I kind of just trying to get me together um but even after I had got the injection I felt a bit out of it they I needed to go to the um well they wanted me to go to the bathroom because they said you still haven't emptied your bladder or your bowels in like over I don't even know what it was I think by this time I think she was born she ended up being born at 8 8 a.m we got to the hospital that morning at three so it was like a five hours of like laboring there with them um so they wanted me to go to the toilet but I was just like I can't like I just don't feel up to it. I can't empty my bowels or my bladder right now 
I'm like, well, if you don't, you're going to have to get a catheter. And that was enough to make me go, all right, I'm up. So mm. <laughs> I, I got up, but I think I knew, I knew in me that I wasn't right. So once I actually got up into the shower, I ended up fainting in the shower. Mm. Um, so I ended up on a drip with just with some fluids and we ended up um, just being there so for some observations for a few hours just to get my blood back up. I had a, a blood infusion and um, some fluids as well. I just kind of lost a fair bit of blood. Um, but I felt good after, but it just took a couple of while, a couple of hours after birth for me to come to. So Dan got to have that time with baby girl. Cause I just, I didn't, I just had nothing left in me. Yeah. It was, I packed, yeah, I packed, um, Powerade, we packed sour lollies, we packed fruit, we packed all the things, but I just didn't feel like it. Like Dan was trying to force me to sip on Powerade when I was laboring, but just between that and the vomiting, you just don't feel like yeah. really eating or drinking. But once I did after pregnancy, I ate a couple of sandwiches. Next thing you eat some food and just have some time to refuel. You felt I felt a lot better. Yeah. So you've refueled. You're feeling much better. Taking into consideration the journey that you went on to get to this point, how did it feel to know that you had achieved this natural birth you so desired? Honestly, even my husband and I still laugh about it now. I think like once you're in the thick of it, you're in the thick of it. But soon it was after like. You're on cloud nine and it's beautiful and it's amazing, but we both looked at each other and we're like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, what, what was that? That was intense. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, don't ever, if I ever like get excited about this again, like, can you just please remember, remind me what it was actually like? Like, it was beautiful, but it's intense. I think that's the only word we could both come up with. It was just, it's intense. Yeah, so true. <laughs> well, considering what you had to go through as well, I mean, you kind of had that intensity from the get-go, didn't you? I, I, I kind of keep thinking that's maybe my gift in it because um, if I didn't – because my, my fear had always been actual preg- um, birth. My fear was never pregnancy. So I think the fact that I ended up having a really rough pregnancy actually helped – reduce the fear I had around birth. So I'm like, if I can do not nine months of shit, surely yeah. I could do a few days of shit. Like, yes. <laughs> I can relate to that with my twin pregnancy because I feel like that pregnancy was so intense. I just was like, I'll be able to handle twins. No problem. Nine months of that. Yeah, exactly. It's all perspective. Yeah. So true. <laughs> How big did she end up being? Um, she ended up being 4.3 kilos. Oh, beautiful. Yeah, she's a big girl. And even now, she's a chunky monkey. Like, the whole time, she's fed very well. But I had a girlfriend who had a baby, and they're only, like, a week apart. And Stevie looks like she could eat him twice over. Like, she's <laughs> she, – I, I, I always joke that I'm like, I need to have another baby because I never got a newborn. I gave month to a three-month-old. Like, oh, she just yes, – so She didn't even fit into any of her newborn clothes. She went straight into, like, three-month-old's clothes. It's oh, crazy. I didn't even think about that element. But, again, I guess it shows that, you know, your body is capable of – growing and birthing a big baby yeah definitely can do it (laughs) (laughs) did you end up doing anything special with your placenta it's still in our freezer (laughs) i'm like we had all these like oh maybe we'll plant it or maybe we'll encapsulate it and it's just been one of those things that we haven't got around to doing anything with so i don't know yet (laughs) yeah and what about future plans for babies are you planning on going back yeah i think i need a i need a bit of time to just forget forget about all of it yeah okay (laughs) 
it's funny how quickly you do forget though because I'm like oh I could do it again I'm like oh, I just I need someone to remind me what it was actually like mm. um although second baby will probably be I, easier um yeah I think my biggest anxiety is more about the actual pregnancy rather than the birth because oh, it was so rough of course. um but yeah I before I actually fell pregnant I wanted three but now I'm like let's just go for two and we'll see what the second pregnancy is yeah. like <laughs> good plan is there anything you would do differently with your second birth experience or you would do the same? Yeah, I'd, I I think every, I obviously everyone just trusts your intuition, what feels comfortable for you. But um, for me, I just I, I felt safe being in the hospital in case something was to happen, having yeah. that there. But I definitely would go through the MGP program again because it felt like I had a home birth. I just hired a room. Mm. Um, so, yeah, in regards to how I would do it, I would do – all that again I think the only thing I would do differently is not have so many scans um because I feel like they and once I learned a lot through the hypnobirthing course but like a lot of women if you have a scan earlier they'll say that you have placenta previa but it's actually really common for your placenta to move towards the end of pregnancy so I was like I wish I didn't have that because that really freaked me out and I would have just pushed back around that Mm -hmm. and And yours ended up moving yeah ended up moving fine um, and then that's saying I had like a big baby. So they had to do all these tests and stuff towards the end and there was all this pressure to be induced. So I think if I just do the couple of scans to check on baby throughout and just if there's nothing wrong, there's no complications or I just I wouldn't be so stressed out and continually doing the the repeat tests and scans for a big baby or for placenta previa. Yeah. yeah. To wrap up the episode, what would be your key piece of advice for any expectant mothers out there? Really tap into intuition around, around what you want, like drown out the noise. Um, and if you are fearful like about anything in particular, like I said, for me I was really fearful around the actual birth, like go and give yourself the grace to do the mindset work around it. Um, there's so many books and beautiful resources. I listened to your podcast at the start oh, to just awesome. to reframe, um, I guess, my story because I unconsciously, I don't think they mean to, but a lot of the stories that I was exposed to were always horror stories. Yeah. Um, I was like, I want more positive stories. Like why does so many women end up having interventions or end up with like emergency seizures or end up with all these cascade of interventions? And it's not until you empower yourself and you listen to positive stories, like actually that doesn't have to be my story. Like obviously you can only control so much and we have the beautiful like hospital care for when things go wrong, but you can empower yourself to have as much influence on how to make things go right as well. So um, I think just, yeah, tuning into maybe what your fears are, if any, and being really conscious around the energy you surround yourself with and what you listen to. Mm-hmm. Um, so I definitely think like us being conscious with the stories we took in and me making sure I surrounded myself with positive positive books and positive podcasts and um, empowering and educating myself allowed me to have the pregnancy and the, the birth that we did because, it definitely wasn't how what I thought I would have at the start of my pregnancy, and I think that's relative to just being really conscious of what you need and what you what you absorb. Yeah. Well, what a journey you've had. Thank you so much for coming on today and sharing it with us, Lauren. And I look forward to following along on your motherhood journey. Of course, I hope it empowers any other mamas. Honestly, I know it's so cliche and people say it all the time. It's the hardest job, but it's been the most rewarding one, and I'm just so excited for any other mummers who are about to embark on it, it is beautiful and you'll love it. 
That brings us to the end of today's episode. I love Lauren's transparency throughout her journey. This is such a great story to remind us that pregnancy and birth experiences vary on a broad spectrum. Not all experiences are going to be perfectly blissful and soul nourishing every step of the way. And that is okay. Your journey is your journey alone and facing challenges does not mean that your experience is anything less than pure magic. All births, no matter how they play out, are insanely beautiful. You are one powerful mama and you are growing a human being inside of you. Be kind on yourself and appreciate the transformation, whatever that may look like. I hope you all enjoyed today's episode. Let me know what you think over on the PBA Instagram. Sending all my love to the mothers out there getting ready to meet their babies. I will see you all next week for another episode of Positive Birth Australia. Bye.